Hello? Hello, is this thing on? Hello? Welcome to Rapid Real Estate Radio. Prepare to be entertained and educated by expert interviews, real-life anecdotes, and pro tips, all designed to help you get started making money in real estate as fast as possible. Your host is a real estate investor, licensed broker, and coach who has helped thousands of new investors complete their first deal. Here's Gavin McCaleb. Well, hello, America. Welcome back to the podcast. This is the first of what I hope will be many interviews with successful real estate investors around the country. It's a new format here for the podcast. I think you'll like it. I think there's a ton of value in hearing the stories and tips from everyday investors. So you can potentially you know, model their experiences and their path if whatever they did resonates with you in your situation. And so today I have a chance to introduce you to a successful investor based in Scottsdale, Arizona. Melanie Joy is a real estate investor who's, who's just hitting her stride. She's been out there slugging it away, learning the material, and putting it into practice. And so in this conversation, she told me a little bit about how she got started and even bounced back from a bad first deal, which can be extremely demoralizing for a new investor. So she's gone on to do some great things. And from here on, I'll let the interview speak for itself. Uh, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Melanie Joy as much as I did. And here she is, the guest of the day, Melanie Joy. Welcome to the show, Melanie. Gavin, thank you for having me. I'm truly grateful for the opportunity to share my story and, and hopefully encourage others to live a life they love. Well, glad to have you. So let's start off getting folks introduced to you. Where are you located? Right now I am in Scottsdale, Arizona. Okay. And and are you mostly doing real estate deals in Arizona or do you do real estate in other areas? I do real estate nationwide. Awesome. That's exciting. I think that's one of the things that the audience will learn that you can do real estate in your own backyard. You can do real estate anywhere where you have a friendly connection. You can do real estate anywhere you want. And so that's awesome that you're doing that. Why don't you give us a little intro to you, your background. What did you do prior to real estate? I was a financial advisor. Uh, That was my first job out of college. And I made a lot of money, but I disliked going to work every day. When I got the courage to leave that job, I hired a life coach and I started designing a life I wanted to live. And that included owning my own company and traveling. Interesting. How, how many years did you spend in the financial services industry? Seven years. Seven years. Uh, out of those seven years, how many, how many were, were of the tone that I don't like this career and I'm trying to get out? Just about all of them. Oh. There were times that I really enjoyed helping clients and my paychecks were huge and just the money kept me going, but that isn't enough. Interesting. So even though it was financially successful, it just didn't catch the spark of, of excitement and interest. Exactly. It was draining, very draining. Got it. So interesting. So you consulted with a life coach trying to design the business that you would be most passionate about. How did that intersect with real estate? How did you first get 
interested or introduced to the idea of real estate investing? When I was a financial advisor, we decided we no longer wanted to rent a building, an office space from someone else. So I was in charge of finding us a building and I managed the entire rehab of that project. And it was big enough that we also had additional tenants and I managed the tenants as well. And that was when I decided that real estate was what I really loved. And when I was helped, we were figuring out how that real estate would fit with my desire to travel and my desire to have my own company, not to work for someone else. And I came across, strangely enough, an ad on Craigslist, and it was about learning real estate investing. And that's where I started. Hmm, interesting. So you had already had the kind of the seed planted. You went through that one project, and 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 we're sort of, if uh, if I'm restating correctly, you were sort of looking for some real estate information, and you just happened to come across a classified ad. Is that correct? I was looking on Craigslist for opportunities to purchase franchises. I knew that I wanted to own my own company. I just didn't think at that time I could do it by building it from scratch. Interesting. Okay. Well, and then so once so once you followed up that ad, my uh, my guess is you got some kind of real estate training or education that gave you information to start from or how did that look? Yes, I paid for real estate investing education and I plugged in to everything that was offered through that program and I started traveling, living a life that I really loved. It wasn't right away first deals. It was actually about two years before I bought my first piece of real estate, but I was implementing everything else I was learning. I was paying off debt. I was self-directing my IRA, doing some money lending. Wow, that's interesting. It it just goes to show there's lots of peripheral things that are still quote unquote real estate investing that are not necessarily what we think of as as doing a flip. You know, for instance, making a loan on a real estate transaction is still real estate investing. It's just a different aspect of it. Why don't you walk us through your first I, I guess maybe I'm assuming you your first deal was this commercial one that you did with your business. Are you now mostly focused in residential or are you doing commercial as well? My focus now is residential and I am a buy and hold investor. Okay. Well, could you walk us through one of your first deals and kind of give us a little snapshot of how that looked, how you found it, what your strategy was and how it played out? You want it to be one of the good ones, one of the bad ones? <laughs> you know what? Why don't you give us one that was educational and maybe we could learn from it either way. Absolutely. My very first deal, after getting educated, I knew enough to get myself in trouble, but not enough to get myself back out of trouble. I self-directed my retirement account. I made a loan to another business owner for $120,000. The interest they were going to pay me was 18% interest. And I gave them a six-month window to get their business up and going before I was going to get my first payment. Now it's been over two years, and I still haven't received my initial investment oh, or any boy. interest back. Mm. And I've paid additional money out in lawyer's fees. To this point, I still 
feel like that money is going to come back to me. That person still thinks that they owe me the money. They say that they're working on it. And I'm finding out that even though I thought I had done everything to protect myself up front, I had hired an attorney. He reviewed all of our contracts. He made sure that my collateral was good, that there were still holes in my armor. And it has been a great learning experience. And I share what I've learned with other people who are interested in lending money and help them protect themselves. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's a rough lesson to learn. I hope that wasn't your uh, your mom or your best friend that you loaned that money to. It was not. I oh. do not do business with family. <laughs> As you can see, that that would be uh, a challenge to uh, have Thanksgiving dinner if you were sitting across from that person. So, yeah. Interesting. Do you have a an example of maybe one of your first uh, profitable deals? Absolutely. I still. After losing that money or having it be put on hold for a couple of years, decided that money lending was something that was of interest to me while I was learning enough to handle an entire fix and flip project myself. So I lent money to someone else I had met in a real estate community. I was He needed $30,000, so I partnered with another person. We each put in $15,000. He offered us 24% interest. And he thought he would be in and out of the deal within about three months, except the hedge fund he was selling all of his properties to got overwhelmed. So it took him about a year, Mm. but he still held true and repaid us on our loan. And that project, at the end of it, I decided that I wanted to keep the house that we had lent the money on. And so I asked him to negotiate with me a reduction in purchase price for me waiving the interest charges that he would have paid us for the year that he had our money. And that's how I bought my first rental property. Oh, interesting. Good. And so how how does that rental look now? Do you have a loan on it or is it all cash? And how much income are you bringing in each month? That one is paid in full. I paid a his asking price was 55000 He owed us several thousand dollars in interest. I guess I could figure it out really quick, but it's not all that important. I didn't have to put any money into a rehab. He had already done it. It was a turnkey purchase. And the rent I'm collecting is $1,200 a month. And I specifically focus on providing housing to Section 8 tenants, and that's been a good niche for me. Oh, I'm sure. So $1,200 basically guaranteed through the Section 8 program per month is against, uh, what, what would you say your total investment in that is? Around 55 total or was it a little less after all was said and done? A little less. I think I'm into that one about forty-nine or 50000 Oh, wow. Okay. So 50000 or less. And what is that? What is that? Is it about fourteen thousand? I'm trying to do math in my head real quick. Is it about fourteen thousand a year? And then minus expenses. I would guess I'm that sure. that's pretty close. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to do twelve hundred times 14, twelve months. Yeah, that's what it is. Fourteen thousand four hundred. And then of course you you have taxes and insurance, and I'm sure there's some uh, some city you know utilities or things that are responsible. So it's not straight profit, but still. I got to tell you, as far as a yield spread, that uh, that feels pretty aggressive. You you satisfied with that one? 
I am. Absolutely. Awesome. That one got me interested and that's where I decided that I was going to be a buy and hold investor was from that property. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, if I had, if I had that opportunity, that's the kind of deal that I would take pretty much every time I saw it. I mean, that's, yeah, it, it seems like not to diminish anyone's enthusiasm, that's a, that's a definitely a better than average deal, but Hey, that's great. That's great that you got it. So what, what what's the time frame? When did that take place? Uh, is that within the last year or two? Give me an idea of when that was. I purchased that property in August of 2016. Okay. So just about one year ago, what has the, 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 the previous 12 months brought to you? It has been very fruitful. I've been very grateful within a week of that first property. I purchased another property and they're just a couple miles from each other. I paid 14,500 for a four bedroom, one and a half bathroom. I put about $30,000 into that rehab and it's been rented for 14,000 or $1,400 a month for a little over a year now. So I have two properties in that same neighborhood in South Chicago. And both of those are Section 8 tenants that have been, I've been collecting passive income on for the last two years. And, well, I guess one year. When I moved to Arizona, I connected with uh, another group of real estate investors here locally. I started wholesaling off the MLS. It was something that most people hadn't heard of, didn't think it was possible. I just surrounded myself with people who were encouraging and uplifting and had resources. So in February of this year, I closed on my first MLS wholesale deal, and that was a $10,000 profit. March, I closed on another one for a $7,000 profit. And then in May, I purchased another condo, and I am going to use that as a vacation rental. It's in Old Town Scottsdale. And right now, it looks like it is going to make us about $30,000 a year profit as a vacation rental. And I paid $108,000 for it. And then in June of this year, I was having lunch with somebody that I had met here in Arizona. And I asked him what he had been up to. And he started sharing about these condos that he had recently been meeting with a homeowner about. And they sounded like they fit my section eight niche. And he was had six condos under contract. I couldn't talk him out of all six of them, but I did talk him into selling me four of them. I'm currently rehabbing them. I paid $218,000 for all four condos. They're three bedroom, one bathroom. I think I'm going to put an average of about $7,000 into each of those condos. And the section eight rent here ranges from about $1,200 to $1,500 a month per unit. Wow, that's impressive. Very good. Um, so, give us a little insight. I know there's, I know there's a huge, there's a huge split in opinion between Section Eight. Some people love it, some people hate it. What's something that you like about it? I get a really good feeling about providing housing to people that are having a hard time finding housing. I like being a relief to them, a sense of relief, and providing them with not only just a place to live, but my places are all brand new, newly renovated. So they get a really nice clean place to rent. 
And it hasn't been very, all rosy. They have trouble some months even paying their portion of the rent, even if it's, if it's a couple hundred dollars or even a hundred dollars. But it's fulfilling for me. Hmm. And that's interesting. You know, it's funny because a lot of times people really key in on, hey, there's a government guarantee. Hey, there's social pressure that once they're in the program, they've got to pay. And I think those are certainly uh, components of it, but I think it's really great that your opinion of it is not only is it, you know, structured, but but you're actually providing a service and you're providing, like you said, a clean, maybe maybe better than average house for that demographic. I think that's fantastic. So where do you go from here? You, uh, it sounds like as whenever you turn around, there's a new opportunity. What are you expecting? Uh, to happen from here on out, more condo deals, more Section 8? What's your focus going to be? I'm open to how whatever comes my way. I analyzed, I analyze almost any deal that someone puts in front of me, and I'm getting a lot faster. I think some of my first deals took me about eight hours to analyze, and now I can do it in about 20 minutes. But my, my goal is that my partner and I will be out of the rat race, we'll be financially independent by the end of 2019. So we're really focusing on getting our passive income bigger than our expenses and being able to say that we're retired or out of the rat race by the end of 2019. Hmm. And that's exciting to have a tangible goal and a plan to hit that goal. It's funny when you say that it used to take you eight hours to analyze a property. I, I wonder how many of those hours were just sitting there nervously wondering if you did it right? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of them. How, is this a comp or is this not a comp? Was Right. Am I missing challenge. something? Did I forget to add something? Did I subtract? Did I do the math right? I mean, I, I totally empathize. That's exactly what happens when I first started too. So do you have any specific tips? So our audience is made up of real estate investors, some new, some a little bit more experienced and certainly I'm trying to extend the reach to folks that are trying to get their feet wet on their first few deals. Do you have any specific tips that you could share with a new investor? I do. I think that for new people and even seasoned investors, keeping your goal in front of you, and for me that was creating a life that, a life I love, keeping that visually in front of you, whether it's a vision board if you're practicing self-visualizations in the morning or at noon or night, keeping whatever your goal is at your forefront and then taking massive action. Make offers, make requests of people that you might feel are unreasonable and find ways to, find, to solve their challenges. Don't be afraid to pay for education, for coaching, for mentorship. I have paid for... $20,000 for real estate education, my first program. I paid $10,000 for a business coach earlier this year, and I just recently paid $15,000 for one-on-one -on -one real estate coaching and mentorship. And I have a master's degree, so don't be afraid to spend money on education. That's how you surround yourself with people who are doing what you want to be doing, and you can get there a lot faster. Awesome. Great tips, and I totally agree with you. I think, it, to me, it boils down to Find somebody who either has what you want or is doing what you want to do and figure out what you need to do to emulate it. And in most cases, like you pointed out, somebody who's in that position, if they have a coaching program, rather than try to create something from scratch, why don't you just 
get the information straight from the source. So I think that's definitely a valuable tip, and I think it I think it goes across any industry. If you see somebody who's doing what you'd like to do, we may as well just follow that person. And so, and that's those are some great tips. I appreciate it. So now I'm going to hopefully not undo all the goodwill and the and the good feelings that we've created here. I'm gonna I'm gonna put out the uh, the real the reality check question, and so why don't you tell us a few things that you don't like about real estate? Maybe you can identify your least favorite thing. Maybe there's something about it that just is not your favorite. But but give us a reality check. What are the things that come up from time time and again that you don't like about the industry? I can think of two things that come to mind right away. One of them I am in the middle of currently. When you purchase properties and you want to rehab them and put them on the market as a rental, sometimes you purchase them with existing tenants. Mm. I am going through the eviction process right now. And yesterday I had to meet the constable on site. He removed everybody from the house. And it was a sad experience for me seeing children being locked out of their house and carrying whatever arm load they could carry of their belongings because that was all they were going to get for the moment while we changed the locks and boarded up the house. And that kept me up last night. I lost a lot of sleep just thinking about I wish it would have been different. And I offered them money from the beginning and told them I, I gave them two months notice. But as soon as I bought the property, I told them what my intentions were to rehab it and that they would have time to find a new place. I offered them $500 cash and they just kept saying, oh yeah, oh yeah, we're moving, we're packing, we're finding a place. And two months later, I finally paid for the eviction, went to court, they didn't show up, gave them some more notice saying the constable's gonna be here in five days. And they kept saying, oh yeah, we're looking, we're doing stuff about it. And when we got in there yesterday, it was very apparent that they were doing nothing about it. All of their things were in the exact same place mm. that they have been this whole time. Yeah, it's, so in, it's interesting. I the, do not the most, like the eviction problem. Yeah, the, well, the most tragic part about this, the collateral damage is the children. I mean, they're they're at the victim of some adults who are in the pattern of making poor choices and or not planning very well. And so, you know, I, I'm sure I'm sure as far as like safety and well-being, I'm sure they'll be fine. I certainly understand your emotional empathy, but hopefully that ends up being a lesson to those children that they'll remember the one time that poor planning got them into that tight spot and maybe the next generation will be better at planning or more proactive. I hope that's my hope, but I could certainly see how that's a a challenging experience. What what else uh what else is your least favorite thing about real estate? Contractors. It's almost a swear word. (laughs) Finding a good contractor that will show up when they say they're going to and do the work they say they're going to on a time frame and a budget that they say they're going to has been probably my number one challenge. Even with these recent purchases, I had a contractor say he was going to show up. We'd uh, He'd walked to the house. We had a budget. I had all the supplies he needed on site. And he kept saying, oh, I'm going to be there tomorrow. Oh, my my daytime boss needed me today. I'll be there this weekend. I gave him five days. And he kept telling me the same song and dance. And I finally said, I don't think this is going to be a good fit for us. And I started over again 
frantically calling all the contractors I could find online and from all of my referral sources and got another contractor to start the next morning. But that is only one of many nightmares, contractor nightmares that I've been through since beginning this career. Oh, yeah. You know, it's funny. I wish that I could say that you are the exception, but the reality of it is I think I think it's near 100% of the investors that I have chatted with can have a similar contractor commiseration experience, myself included, <laughs> to the point where you know what we ought to consider doing? We ought to consider creating some kind of Contractors Anonymous program where they, they sit down together and they say, hi, I'm a drywall installer and I'm just an absolute liar. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I mean, you know, even even your best friend who's a contractor or somebody who you've used before, if they say they're going to be there, they probably won't. If they say they're going to do it, it's just a rough thing. And, 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 you know, it's one of those things where it gets to the point where when somebody says something, I always double and triple check it. You'll be there Friday. Yep. So when I get there on Friday, you're actually physically going to be there. Yep. Okay, because I'm not going to point fingers, but, I, you know, sometimes you don't show up when you say what are the things that are going to happen Friday morning that are going to allow you to be, you know, it sounds absurd when we talk about it like that, but I've gotten to the point where if I say that in those, in that way, we sort of laugh it off, but then I say, okay, so are you really going to be there or do you have five appointments at the same time and you're not going to be there? And so sometimes I get them to say, okay, I won't be there. <laughs> and then we can, <laughs> and then we could go forward to, okay, if not Friday, then when, because look, I don't. It doesn't do either of us any good for you to lie about it, and I know that contractors are feast and famine. And so whenever someone calls and says I want to hire you, they always say yes, but then uh, but then they can't fit it into the schedule or they can't make it work in their in their uh, you know their building plans or whatever it is that they've got going on. But it's so funny that 100% of the investors, unless maybe they're their own contractor i mean there's certainly investors that are skilled in the trades and they can do their own work but anytime you have to hire it out i think that's universal and so whatever we can do maybe we'll start some kind of a some kind of a movement where contractors can can get it off their chest and say hey sorry i have to lie to everybody but here's why and maybe we can come to some kind of mutual understanding but oh man it is just you know the uh i i helped some clients purchase a fiveplex here in in Idaho last month and the landscaping was completely out of control. It was, it was not too much, but you know, there's probably, let's call it a thousand square feet of grass up front and some trees. And so as part of the contract, we said, we want you to clean up the landscaping before closing. And they said, you know what? In theory, we'd like to do that. We have contracted with three different landscaping companies to come and do that work over the last month. And none of them showed up to do the work. And so it's it's so bizarre. I mean, there's certainly I, – I, I would have more luck just hiring a couple of kids from the neighborhood and say, hey, go mow this lawn, rather than an actual <laughs> landscaping contractor, which proved to be the case. But in any case, I commiserate with you and I uh, slightly digress, but that's really what we're talking about, so I'm not going to feel bad about it at all. Is there is there any last – parting words you'd like to throw out to the group? Yes. I would say keep enriching your mind, even if it's not paying for the coaching that I spoke about. There's a lot of books that can be read, 
YouTube videos that can be watched. Early in my career, the book Think and Grow Rich was monumental for me. In the book, the author speaks about a gold miner stopping three feet from gold. The miner got frustrated with his lack of results and he gave up. And I think a lot of people do that when they're new in their career. And this miner sold everything. And the person who bought it, all the machinery struck gold three feet from where the original miner had left off. And in the last two years, every time I became frustrated or disappointed, I reminded myself that I could be so close. And it took me two full years before I ever bought one property. And if I would have stopped in those years, I think about being that person, that gold miner and thinking grow rich. And thankfully, I didn't stop because I just kept going. And now I currently own seven rentals in the last 11 months. But it took me two years, over two years to get there. Well, that's interesting. That's a great uh, lesson in perseverance, and I remember that story as well. And I, it's funny because when I hear that story, I think to myself, I, what I should do is I should go out looking for half-dug gold mines and buy it from the tired <laughs> guy. Of course, we can't always we can't always anticipate that situation, but you know, maybe if somebody's already been working on something, we can look at it. I do know of a gold it. mine that's looking for investment <laughs> for investors right now. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> well, gold mines notwithstanding, if folks would like to get in touch with you, maybe they have some investment funds, maybe they got properties to sell, maybe they got questions that you're open to, where can people find you? Facebook, I'm on there. I have my personal Facebook as Melanie Joy. My name is spelled M-E-L-L-A-N-I-E. My last name is J-O-Y. I also have a business Facebook for my company Fix and Flip Gals, and they can find my website, fixandflipgals.com, or email me, info at fixandflipgals.com. Awesome. If anyone is inclined to connect and to do some projects together with Melanie, I certainly would recommend that you get in touch with her. And that brings us to the conclusion. Thank you so much for being here and looking forward to connecting with you again in the future. Thank you again, Gavin. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Hey, just want to jump out here with one last final thought. And it is a quote that is commonly attributed to Mark Zuckerberg. I've said it a few times myself. I'm not sure if I'm quite to the point where I get to attribute myself. But the quote is, done is better than perfect which is to say that if you wait until everything's perfect to get started, you'll never get started. You'll never do anything. So whatever the task is, whatever the project is, get it out there. Get it launched. Do something. Do it imperfectly. Do it sloppily. Do it wrong. But just do it. And so that's my uh, thought for the day. Go out and do something. Even if it's not perfect, if it's not ready, that's okay. Launch it. And, of course, continue to adjust and adapt. That's part of it. But just get out there and do it. Okay, guys? Glad to have you. Hope you enjoyed the show. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Rapid Real Estate Radio. Please remember to subscribe and tell your friends. Have a burning real estate question you need an answer to? Visit rapidrealestateradio.com to submit your question. And to find out how you can get your rapid start in real estate.